Hey, Braves fans, welcome to another edition of State of the Braves. I'm your host, George McNair. It is great to be back with you. Uh, and a lot has happened since uh, we got together. Uh, and that is, of course, the MLB lockout has ended very surprisingly. I mean, it was looking like uh, lost games, uh, maybe at least several weeks of lost games. And instead, uh, we're going to get 162 games. Uh, the, the season is basically only starting a week later than normal. We're going to have a, a shortened um, spring training. Uh, but other than that, now I'm not going to get into uh, the ins and outs of this agreement. I think while it's interesting for some baseball diehards, uh, I don't want to bore you guys with that. You can you can go online and, and check that out. Maybe I'll do a special episode at some point uh, related to some of those things. But I just want to get back into the business of baseball. And as a Braves fan, I think the Braves, may, maybe more than any other team, have a lot to do in this now very shortened offseason. Now, the last several times we have um, spoke, these last few episodes that I've done, I've gone through uh, the to-do list of the Braves. My very first episode, I kind of gave a rundown of the six big things the Braves should do. And so far, uh, we have gone through the number one, number two, and number three things that I think the Braves should do this offseason. Number one uh, being re-sign Freddie Freeman. Now, I will tell you right now, uh, it is about two o'clock on Sunday afternoon, March 13th, uh, and literally Freddie Freeman could make a decision uh, whether to come back to the Braves or not. I mean, any minute he could. So when this actually posts, you guys might know uh, by then whether Freeman will be back. So that's obviously a huge deal. You can go back and listen to that episode if you like uh, regarding my arguments, particularly as to why the Braves should bring back Freddie Freeman. Uh, we'll get still into that a little bit today because it has such impacts on what they're going to do moving forward. Uh, the number two thing was to drop, somehow get rid of Marcelo Zuna. Uh, I feel less and less confident that, that, that that's actually going to happen, uh, but I make an argument for that as well. Uh, what they decide to do with Ozuna is also going to have some pretty big impacts as to what they will do the rest of this offseason. Now, my number three thing uh, is to go out and get a center fielder. And quite honestly, um, I do think the Freeman uh, signing or non-signing will have some impacts on that decision. I'll probably get into that a little bit today. But what we're focused on today is the potential of the Braves going out and getting a corner outfielder or potentially a DH option, a DH bat. So uh, that's what we'll we'll focus on today. You know, what I want to do right now is paint a picture of what the Braves outfield situation is as we speak. So if, if the regular season were to start today, uh, the starting outfield for the Atlanta Braves would likely be Christian Pache in center, Adam Duvall in left, and maybe Guillermo Heredia or bringing up Drew, Drew Waters, the prospect, in right. I mean, that's literally all they have right now in-house. So clearly the outfield is, is a place where they're going to need, need to do some work. Now, in the previous center field episode, I did discuss Pache, and you know I do think he's still a very legitimate prospect that could uh, become you know a really good major league player for the Braves, or if they were to trade him for somebody else. So I'm, I'm a, still somewhat of a believer in Pache, the issue I have with him is the timing. Is he ready for the major leagues to start the season? And I think the answer is probably no. Uh, Guillermo Heredia, of course, 
um, is quite the character. Uh, I think he was for his small role last year. He was really important for the Braves, but I think that still that should be his role moving forward. He's pretty much the last guy off the bench. He's uh, he's a defensive replacement at the end of the game. He's certainly not a starting outfielder in the majors, and certainly not a starting outfielder for the defending champions. Uh, so that being said, there's clearly some work to do in the outfield. In the outfield. Now, my previous episode, I told you guys that I would love for the Braves to go out and get a center fielder. I gave several options, and my number one option was Cedric Mullins from the Orioles. Uh, I've also read a couple articles recently, and I think these are guys just throwing it out there. Um, but Brian Reynolds, who I also would love for the Braves to target, but I think he's going to be incredibly expensive. Uh, Brian Reynolds, those those rumors are circulating as well that the Braves might have interest there. I, I believe they do have interest. I just think Mullins might be a little more realistic uh, to go out and get. But nonetheless, I think the Braves do need uh, to target a center fielder just for uh, what this looks like, right? Uh, this potential outfield that the Braves have right now, it's just not up to par. All right, so um, with that being said, I want to consider uh, how the Fre Freeman, uh, how the Freeman signing or non-signing, depending on what happens, how that is going to influence uh, the Braves' outfield options. Right? Obviously, Freeman is uh, a first baseman, uh, a pretty dominant first baseman. So, how might that affect things? Well, consider this: it's been pretty widely uh, reported that if Freeman does not sign with the Braves probably their next best option is to go out and trade for Matt Olson of the Oakland Athletics. He's, uh, I'm not going to go too deeply into that as well because you can go back to the Freeman episode, but he is a very talented young first baseman. But nonetheless, the Braves are going to have to pay up uh, a King's Ransom to go out and get a guy like Matt Olson. Uh, that deal would deplete uh, the Braves' prospect pool. Uh, the Braves do not have the same kind of farm system that is, um, you know, full and wealthy of, you know, of a bunch of guys. They don't have that anymore. They used to. So a, a trade like this would, would greatly weaken um, the prospect capital that the Braves do have. And I think it would probably keep them from making any other major moves the rest of the offseason in terms of trades. So your trades... For anybody else, any other needs would pretty much be done. You would have to go out and find guys um, in the open market. And what I've already mentioned to you guys is there's basically no center fielders in the open market. If you want a center fielder, you're going to have to go out and trade for one. So bringing in Matt Olson means you're probably not going to get a center fielder on the trade market. That's the big um, domino that's, that's affected by not bringing back Freddie Freeman, right? It's not just Freddie is now you don't have a quality center fielder either. Now, um, you might have more money to play with if you don't bring back Freddie. Um, you have still another outfield need um, that you could fill with maybe a bigger name. Uh, and so when we get into some of these names, you can kind of keep that in mind. The more expensive guys might be more available if Freeman is not there. But again, if you're going to pay uh, a left fielder a bunch of money, why would you not just pay Freddie Freeman a bunch of money? Um, all right, but let's also consider what the Braves uh, would look like with Freeman back, right? So you bring Freddie Freeman back, it's going to be a big contract uh, no matter what the 
eventual numbers are, but you're able to save that prospect capital to go out and get a center fielder like Cedric Mullins, maybe like even a Brian Reynolds, somebody of really high quality. At the same time, right, that, that pushes everybody into a more natural position. The other thing I didn't mention, right, if you aren't able to go out and get a center fielder, guess what that's going to mean? Uh, it's going to mean you're either forcing Adam Duvall to play center field all year or you are really leaning heavily on Pache uh, to play center as well. So in the bringing Freddie Freeman back scenario, you go out and you get a true center fielder. Uh, you've got your cornerstone guy back at first base. Uh, you allow Adam Duvall to slide back to a natural position in left field. Ronald Acuna comes back in May and is in right field. Uh, and then whatever you do in terms of keeping Marcelo Zuna or bringing in some other uh, outfielder or DH option for that position, everybody kind of falls into a more natural spot. So in my mind, this is not just about Freddie Freeman. This is about the entire team and where things naturally uh, align. All right. So with all that in mind, okay, I do want to go into a few options that the Braves would have in terms of uh, DH or right fielder. Now, First and foremost, we just have to recognize right now, it seems like Marcelo Zuna is coming back. Now that could change and, and I, I would like it to change, but that could be simply the number one option, right? You have Marcelo Zuna as your DH, but you also have to assume that maybe they don't go out and get a center fielder. And so there's still this outfield hole, uh, regardless of if Ozuna stays or goes. So we need to keep that in mind. So several options that I want to look at uh, are uh, pure DH options and other guys are outfield, uh, corner outfield options. So uh, let's, let's look at a couple of the guys that are obviously coming, uh, would be coming back to Atlanta that played a huge role in their World Series win. And of course, uh, the number one A and one B guys that I'm talking about is Eddie Rosario and Jorge Soler, right? Both of these guys played tremendous roles in bringing a World Series championship to Atlanta. Uh, Eddie Rosario winning the NLCS MVP. I mean, the, this dude was out of his mind. I mean, it was otherworldly the way he played in the NLCS. Uh, while maybe not single-handedly uh, beating the Dodgers, it was pretty close. The Braves no, no way gets the World Series without Eddie Rosario. And then Jorge Soler, if you'll remember, he had to go on the COVID list for the NLCS, and then he comes off of that and is just a dominant player in the World Series, wins World Series MVP, had that huge home run in the deciding game. So both of these guys, being free agents, were major, major impact guys on the World Series winning team. So you would love to be able to bring one or both of these guys back. And having basically one spot open, uh, maybe two, again, if Ozuna is gone, but probably one spot open, you're more than likely going to have to choose between these two guys. So the question is, do you resign Solaire? Do you resign Rosario? Or do you go out and get somebody else? So let's look at these two guys first. Uh, Solaire, and, and this is from MLBRumors.com, is where I'm getting these numbers. They, at the beginning of the offseason, projected Solaire to bring in a three-year, $36 million deal. Now, I actually think he's going to bring in more than that, especially since now that the DH is going to be in the National League uh, for the foreseeable future. 
therefore, uh, I think Solaire might have uh, just been priced out of Atlanta. You know, this is one of those that I think if Freeman doesn't resign and the Braves have more money to to utilize elsewhere, maybe this opens the door for Solaire uh, if they like him better than Rosario moving forward. Uh, but he's also more of a DH than he is a right fielder. He he played, I thought, um, okay uh, outfield defense when he was out there. You could tell he hadn't played out there in a while. But he, he also wasn't, you know, he wasn't dropping balls left and right either. So um, I really like Solaire. I mean, he's that pure right-handed power hitter. Um, but nonetheless, he's going to be a little more expensive than Rosario. Uh, Eddie Rosario, uh, MLBRumors.com, has him making – uh, $15 million uh, over two years uh, in his next contract. Uh, so definitely cheaper than Solaire. I also think he's probably going to make a little more than that. Uh, but I, I think Solaire might be the more popular target for a lot of teams. So I do think Rosario is the better value. And being a lefty bat in Truist Park uh, with that you know tall wall, it, it does, I think, make a little more sense to bring back Rosario. You know, in a vacuum, if you made me choose one or the other, it would be really hard. I mean, it'd probably be a toss-up. But simply because of Truist Park um, and the fact that Rosario is going to be a little cheaper, I think Rosario is the better option here. Uh, so the the other thing to keep in mind, however, is R Rosario is a little bit of an inconsistent defender, and he's uh, he can be not super patient with the bat. I think this can cause him some trouble uh, in the regular season if if um, pitchers get wise to him and start pitching around him more. Um, but in the postseason, I think this is one of the things that makes him such a good postseason player. He's so aggressive and he has such good bat-to-ball skills uh, that pitchers are in the zone a lot more in the postseason and uh, he takes advantage. You know, and as a Braves fan, it's just for both these guys, it was so refreshing to see an Atlanta team with true October players. We've had so many great regular season teams that go into the postseason and then just it's like they forget how to play baseball. And these guys brought their games up to another level. So you know that both of them are going to be October stars for you. I mean, I feel very confident, especially Rosario. I mean, he was just so good in October. Uh, I, I think bringing him back makes a ton of sense, especially if that is the cost. The other guy that I just at least want to mention is Jock Peterson. I think Jock is likely gone um, unless he's willing to accept a fourth outfielder type of role. I don't think the Braves view him as an everyday outfielder, uh, corner outfielder. Uh, but, uh, you know, if he's willing to accept that kind of role, then, you know, and he's not super expensive, then maybe Jock does come back. I have a feeling he wants to be an everyday guy, as most players do. And if he gets that opportunity, then I think he's probably probably gone. All right. So with those guys in mind, right, I really do like the idea of bringing Rosario back. But let's look at a few other options. Now, there are a lot more options out there for corner outfield than there are center field. Um Keep that in mind. I don't want to belabor all of these guys. We're not going to dive as deeply into each of these dudes as I did with the center field guys. But I want to at least mention uh, each of them as um, as options and then, you know, kind of round this up at the end of who I like best. All right. So a couple of guys I want to mention that I don't think are realistic. 
uh, targets because of their cost are Nick Castellanos and Chris Bryant. These two guys are going to make around probably what Freddie Freeman is asking for. Castellanos may be a little less. Chris Bryant probably right in the same ballpark. So I don't know why the Braves would go after either of these guys if um, they're not willing to, to pay Freddie. Um, they're both really good players. Castellanos is an incredible hitter. Uh, not a great defender, but you could stick him out there because he's such a good hitter. Chris Bryant is a good all-around player. I think he's a little streaky offensively, but he played great for the Giants last year. And remember, he also has the benefit of being able to play third base. He could probably even play some first base uh, if you wanted him to slide into, into that situation as well. But again, I think these guys are too expensive. All right, the next guy I want to look at is actually a guy I also mentioned in the Freddie Freeman podcast as a potential first base option, even though he's more of an outfielder. That's Kyle Schwarber. Uh, he had a tremendous offensive year last year. He, uh, according to MLBRumors.com, uh, is looking for something around uh, a four-year, $70 million deal. Schwarber, I think, is only an option, again, if uh, Freeman were not to resign and the Braves had more money to allocate other places. He's probably the best available hitter outside of Nick Castellanos for the outfield. Uh, but again, he is expensive. So I don't know. Um, I don't know how realistic he is going to be. Uh, and he's also not the greatest defender in the world. So I, I'm not sure uh, if he's the best fit, but he would be a great hitter. And you can really picture his, his powerful left-handed swing in Jewish park. And that would translate very well. All right. The next guy is, uh, uh, Seiya Suzuki. This guy is coming from Japan. Uh, he is likely going to make around five, uh, a five-year deal for $55 million, but any team that signs him is also going to have to pay a $10 million posting fee to his Japanese club. Uh, so he's around the same expense as a Kyle Schwarber. Uh, maybe you can get him for an extra year, but any Japanese player is a high-risk, high-reward kind of guy. You don't know how his uh, how his game is going to translate to the MLB, uh, to American-style baseball. Uh, you can you see have seen some guys show up in America and just not be able to figure it out, and then you see other guys uh, like Shohei Otani who just dominate. He's probably not an Otani. Uh, he does, um, uh, you know, reading some some reports of him. He's a good defensive outfielder. Um, he's a true right fielder. Uh, he is not uh, a swing and miss guy, but he does have power. He does have some pop. So he sounds like a pretty good player, but again, you just don't know. And the Braves typically have not been super aggressive with Japanese uh, and Korean players. So we'll, we'll see what happens there, but uh, he is definitely near the top of the outfield uh, market. Okay, Michael Conforto, Braves fans will be very, um, very aware of this guy. Uh, played for the Mets his entire career. Uh, he's probably seeking a, a one-year deal because he had a down year uh, last year. It might be around twenty million dollars. Uh, will the Braves pay that much, even on a one-year deal? Will they pay that much? To me, this doesn't make a lot of sense because you know the the guy that the Braves saw in Eddie Rosario um, is at least as good, if not better at least offensively, than Michael Conforto. Uh, and if you can get Rosario for two years, 10 mil, uh, 20 million, why wouldn't you get him instead of Conforto for one year and 20 million? Um, 
A couple other guys to just at least mention. Andrew McCutcheon uh, and Tommy Pham are both free agents. These guys have been good um, somewhat recently, but were not that great last year. <laughs> so both had kind of down years, particularly Pham. Tommy Pham had a real down year. Uh, but I think for, you know, if you're looking for somebody on the cheap, uh, th these are guys, these are backup option guys. So let's say you're able to re-sign Freddie Freeman, right? You don't have as much money to play with. You're not able to re-sign Rosario or Solaire or any of these top guys. I could foresee a McCutcheon or a Fam as kind of a backup option and you're hoping for bounce back years. Okay, so there's a lot of free agents out there. I mean, that's the main thing I want to focus on, right? That's the main point I want to make. Uh, the Braves will have a lot of options if they go this route um, through free agency, but there's also a lot of guys out there for trades. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to dive as deeply into these guys, but let me just mention a few. So Austin Meadows is a young right fielder for the Tampa Bay Rays. He has some real power. Uh, he has had some injury issues and hasn't played full seasons uh, as of late, uh, but he's a guy that is signed through for a couple more years. Um, he could probably uh, be gotten for maybe one good prospect, uh, like a Contreras um, or that sort of thing. Mitch Haniger is another right fielder. He's, he's with the Mariners. Uh, he had a couple down seasons, and then he had a really good bounce back season last year. Uh, big time power. I think he had in the mid-30s in home runs last year. He's making $8.5 million, but he's on the last year of his contract, which makes him very, uh, very attainable uh, for, again, for probably one good prospect. Um, Andrew Benintendi, this is a guy who you might know he played, uh, came up uh, with a lot of fanfare for the Red Sox. He's never really totally figured it out uh, offensively, but he's a great defender. He, he won a gold glove, uh, and he's still pretty good offensively. I mean, um, he was a two-and-a-half uh, war player last year. Uh, he is making uh, about $9.5 million on the last year of his contract. Again, he's, he's maybe the most attainable of the guys I'm mentioning here. And then the last guy is Max Kepler. Uh, he is with the Twins. Um, he had a real down year last year um, offensively, but he is probably the most expensive of these four simply because he's on a very uh, cheap and controllable deal, three years, $25 million, um, and there's a lot of upside there. So he probably would be a little more expensive. You might have to include another decent prospect uh, to get him. All right, so those are, I mean, as you, can, as you can tell, there's all these options for corner outfield guys. My favorite thing to do uh, of all of these dudes would simply be to go back and get Eddie Rosario. I think uh, for the cost, uh, unless, you know, there's suddenly a bidding war and Rosario gets much more expensive than everybody's projecting, I think he is the best bet. I like bringing back, you know, the a postseason hero who... Uh, who wants to be in Atlanta. He, he has such a chip on his shoulder to prove people that he was a good player. And I think that's going to continue, um, you know, and you're not breaking the bank with him. So no matter what happens there, yeah, I, I think uh, no matter what happens with Freddie Freeman, I think he should be a target. Uh, these other guys, uh, it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me to go out and pay all this money for a corner outfielder when you have some other needs. Uh, our next uh, episode is going to be on starting pitching, and I think if you do have some money to, left over, then maybe that is where you should um, 
you should commit more of your money. But we'll we'll get into that next time. Uh, again, guys, a lot could happen uh, in the next few days. I'm very hopeful that the Braves re-sign Freddie Freeman. But even if they don't, um, there's, well, particularly if they don't, they're going to have a ton of work to do in this offseason. Uh, I'll try not to be too depressed if uh, Freeman doesn't come back, but I probably won't be able to hide my frustration. I am frustrated, as many Braves fans are, that we've gotten to this point that we're basically in this 24-hour window of Freddie's going to make a decision between uh, probably the Dodgers and the Braves. That's what all reports indicate. I'm hoping the Braves get into a room with him and don't let him leave until they're able to give him an offer that he is satisfied with. He has every reason to be very frustrated with the Braves and how they have handled him. Uh, he's been such a committed player for them. And, you know, we can look at it and say, well, gosh, I mean, $100 million or $200 million or however, however much it is, you know, he should just sign whatever. But I, I think, you know, more than anything, people want to be appreciated and respected. And some of this process certainly has had to sour him on the Braves front office and how they've handled things. So I'm... I'm just very hopeful uh, that uh, some humility can can be gained from both sides. They can get together and that Freeman is able to continue his career with the Braves. But regardless, we will continue on next time. Braves fans, I hope you have a great one. See you soon.